Get ready to get blitzed on the Blitz Podcast at thehuddle.com with your host, Steve Gallo and Harley Schultz. Welcome back to another episode of the Blitz Podcast. I'm your host, Steve Gallo. Of course, I'm joined by Harley Schultz, as always. Harley, can you believe that we are going into week six? That means that we are a third of the way through the NFL's 18 game. Oh, wait a minute. That's right. They didn't do that yet, did they? No, no, no. And now they're saying 17 games at the most. And it'll be interesting to see what they do at the 17th game because, you know, much like fantasy, week 17 doesn't matter in fantasy. I have a feeling week 17 isn't going to matter a whole lot in the NFL either. The one thing that is interesting about that, and I'll say two things about it. One, that they say that they're going to play, every team will play one game at an off-site. That's kind of interesting. That'll help you get into other markets and maybe expand the brand even a little bit more. Um, two, it's absolutely a sales trick among sales tricks. I don't think the NFL ever expected that they'd be able to get 18 games, but you ask for 18, you ask for 18, you ask for 18, you go, all right, how about if we do 17? Well, compromise. When it really wasn't a compromise, it's what they wanted all along. Well, now, though, I think we have to be like a little hesitant on the whole off-site thing because, I mean, certainly games can be played in London, and those are fun and all, and the occasional game in Mexico. I know Buffalo play, tries to play a game each year in Toronto at Rogers Center. But, I mean, are we going to be playing games on sites like the Packers tried to play this preseason? Um, no, I think they would probably use some college venues in different markets that they're not in, from what I understand. What, you mean other than the college stadium that Seattle plays in right now? I guess. <laughs> that loud stadium? Is it a college the, the stadium? Loud, the loud stadium, both color-wise and sound. That is true. Um, but nothing was louder than those uniforms. The only thing that was louder than that was that Tyler Lockett touchdown catch. You can, oh, my God. What you a catch. Can't, I'm sorry, but you cannot make me believe that Russell Wilson wasn't throwing that ball away. He'll probably take that to his grave or tell his great-great-grandkid it's on his lap one day, I was really throwing the ball away here. No, seriously, when that first happened, I actually thought he overthrew the slot receiver on the inside there. Yeah, I never thought that. I never thought that. I know what you mean because we talked about this on Twitter kind of, I think. Yeah. I just, I did not thought he was just trying to chuck the ball out of the back of the end zone. And just didn't have the just happened to it. land right in Lockett's lap. <laughs> that is seriously that was one heck of a nifty um, toe tap dance he did on that sideline with that catch. It, you know, it's uh, it, it's a little bit of magic there for him. And uh, I mean, this uh, was going to be an interesting season. I thought for Seattle, I thought maybe this would be like the start of a mini rebuild for them. But uh, they're, they're certainly competing, and th- that division is not exactly no one's really running away with it yet there no um i although i mean san francisco is three and oh um i actually picked them to win the division san francisco that is so i don't know we'll see i know my wife would like to see the browns win tonight and san francisco not remain unbeaten i just like i don't see this three and oh san francisco team being a legit 3-0 San Francisco team, if you know what I'm saying. I don't know. I think that the defense looks good, so we'll see. Um, by the way, Tyler Lockett, I'm a little disappointed. 
He currently ranks as wide receiver number nine. You know he's my wide receiver eight from the preseason. <laughs> Just a little bit outside. Well, that would not have been an outside pass from Jimmy G. That looks like San Francisco is going to go up 14 nothing here on Cleveland. Um, anyway, I guess with all that said, there's got to be a bunch of news that we didn't discuss that I'd like to hear about. So I'm just going to throw it over to Harley for this week's Blitzed Podcast News. Thank you, Steve. Mason Rudolph was knocked unconscious during the Steelers game against the Ravens. Undrafted rookie Devlin Hodges replaced him and looked solid despite coming up just short in the end. Hodges went to a school at Samford. No, not Stanford, Samford, where in his four-year career, he set the NCAA FCS record from most total passing yards at 14,584. Amazingly, this performance, let alone his appearance in an NFL game, was not good enough to make the official Samford University notable alumni page. <laughs> Head coach Adam Gase refused to commit to whether or not the Jets would activate Chris Herndon this week following his suspension. Can New York just get it over with and fire him already? Your team has scored two offensive touchdowns all season, and you won't commit to playing your 2018 breakout tight end. With coaching like this, I wouldn't be shocked if Sam Darnold had a relapse of his mono. <laughs> Speaking of questionable coaching decisions, the New England Patriots have announced that they will not be activating veteran tight end Ben Watson from the suspended list. Now, I can neither confirm nor deny what is happening at Foxborough, but I did just place fee agent bids on Rob Gronkowski in every single one of my leagues. <laughs> Pat Mahomes tweaked his ankle during the Sunday night matchup with the Colts, with the Texans due up next for Kansas City, and despite this injury potentially lingering, we can still safely open the line for this game at 95. <laughs> and finally... Jay Gruden was fired by the Redskins today, and yet somehow their training and orthopedic staff still has a job. Think about that one. This has been your BPN News Update. Yeah, Gruden's the fall guy there. Um, there's, a lot, uh, there's a lot of heads that could roll in D.C. Probably should start with the owner, honestly. Yeah. The, I mean, that one's not going to happen, obviously. But you're right. The, there's... Top to the bottom, you can get rid of pretty much everyone there. You've got your own players, Adrian Peterson, making fun of them now online too. Yeah, it's it's whatever. It's it's the Redskins. Hey, if you're an NFC East fan, then you're happy. You like that. Um, and then Bill Callahan doesn't sound like he really wants to keep the job very long either. Saying that Haskins isn't ready to play yet. Like, hello, whoever gets this job has to play Haskins. Play him sooner than later, whether he's ready or not. You're not doing it. You're zero and five. Yeah, you're not going to make a splash this season with Case Keenum or with Colt McCoy. And in fact, what they really should be doing is looking to trade Case Keenum and or Colt McCoy to one of the hundreds of teams that are on their second 
third and fourth quarterbacks right now. You know what? Pittsburgh might be a, a good landing spot. You're right, because Pittsburgh still thinks that they're in it and thinks they can make a run, then they'll pay something for that possibly. But, you know, look, Washington, you're not going 9-2 and two the rest of the way. Oh, to, no, no, no. To finish above 500. You may lose to the Miami Dolphins this week. In I, I actually think they're going to lose to the Miami Dolphins this week. I, I think that Josh Rosen's going to have a pretty good game. I do, and too. And he's one of my DFS sleepers. I do, too. I do, too. Honestly, I really do. Um, so since you're already starting to talk about DFS sleepers, I don't want to get into that. But here's something we can talk about. So the Redskins decided to cut bait with Mr. Gruden. Um, what we're going to do tonight outside of DFS is let's do a little weight or cut bait sec- um part for fantasy and let's talk about a few different guys because it looks like those that waited for Aaron Jones were richly rewarded finally well the banging of the drum has been going on for nearly two years for Aaron Jones to be a featured ball carrier and basically every time I should say every time whenever Jamal Williams finally gets hurt and he always seems to get hurt Aaron Jones steps in and he has a really really good performance you would think by now, two different coaches later, or I'm sorry, a new coach now on top of the previous coach, that Green Bay would realize that Aaron Jones needs to get the rock. Yeah, you know what? So, sometimes NFL coaches, and listen, they've got to be bright guys, right? They've got a job, one of 32, right? One of those prestigious jobs that anybody that's in the you know, football world would want. So they can't be really dumb guys, but man, some of the decisions that some of these coaches make trying to fit, you know, square pegs in the round holes and not use certain guys and, and run 11 personnel when you clearly can see analytics show that you do better with 12 against a certain team and stuff like that. And when you go for it on fourth down versus when you don't, yes, I'm looking at you, Frank Reich, love Frank Reich. <laughs> I love Frank Reich. He gets it. Um, mm-hmm. And I guess maybe part of it is because these coaches, because they are one of just 32, maybe they don't take the risks because it's easier to fire somebody in their head if you take a risk versus do what's expected. I don't know. Well, Um, and also I think from a coach's standpoint at least, you you always get these uh, coaches that come from these trees of coaching. Now, what people have to realize is just because you happen to be on one of the branches under a coach that was successful, that doesn't mean that you're going to be a successful coach. No. Uh, It just meant that you happen to be a coordinator or a special teams coach or a offensive specialist or whatnot when that team had some good talent and when their head coach was actually capable of putting together a game plan. Belichick's tree is absolutely horrible if you look at it. Oh, God, yeah. Um, Andy Reid's not so bad. There's some other ones that are pretty good. But, yeah, Belichick's is horrible. Best coach in our lifetime, possibly ever. Um, you know what? There's teachers that win Teacher of the Year, and they've got students that are stupid and don't do well, I guess. Um, and I didn't mean to insult people like that, but just you, you know what I'm saying. So the point is, as fantasy players, we need to be able to analyze and assess who we think is a good player based on different sets of skills. And, and then you have to also factor. That's why I always say location and opportunity matters more to me than skill set. Because, scheme matters too. Yeah, scheme matters also because it doesn't matter how great you are if the coach doesn't use you 
or, you know, it doesn't matter how great you were in college if you've got to sit behind somebody like, say, Aaron Rodgers when he had to sit behind Brett Favre. Um, so it's just it's frustrating. But how we're going to always have this handful of people, and that's what we should talk about. So off the top of my head, two guys that we can talk about, one probably not as much as the other because we have got a recency bias since he scored a touchdown this weekend, but Stefan Diggs and Adam Thielen. They paid their quarterback there $100 trillion guaranteed but refused to throw the ball. Well, and it's crazy because Kirk Cousins can throw the ball. Kirk Cousins has the ability to complete passes on the complete route tree of any receiver in the NFL, including long passes. The problem is Mike Zimmer is so stuck in the 70s as far as offensive game scripting and game planning is, he wants that great defense. He wants that great running game. And there's nothing wrong with having a great defense and having a great running game. But in this current era, you also have to be able to pass the ball downfield vertically. And when you've got a quarterback that you're paying $84 million guaranteed, the largest guaranteed contract in the history of football at the time it was signed, you, you've got to be able to take advantage of that more than just turning around and handing the ball off constantly. You've got to have some balance. And you just if you don't pass in this league, you don't win, basically. But with that question, are Diggs and Thielen, are you waiting or cutting bait on either of these guys? Well, I think last week proved really solid. and I actually played a lot of Adam Thielen in DFS last week because I thought that uh, – he was going to get a little bit of that squeaky squeaky wheel rub for his uh, letter that he wrote to Cousins, basically claiming he was upset with the situation. Now, Diggs decided to take it a whole other way. Uh, he went Antonio Brown on the situation, scorched earth, uh, press conferences where he basically was uh, saying, no, I don't want to be traded while shaking his head up and down. Yes, I do want to be traded simultaneously. Uh, he, and what ended up happening, he ended up getting fined $200,000 for missing a day's practice when he supposedly had a cold. Not unlike Jalen Ramsey's cold right now, I think, in Jacksonville. Right. But I think uh, this week here, and we may talk about this a little bit in DFS a little bit later, I, I think this is the week now that he's got a week to calm down that I think Cousins is going to target Diggs a lot, and I think Diggs is going to have a really big game uh, against a very, subs, a very suspect Philadelphia defense. Suspect pass defense. I'll give you that. Yes. Um, okay. Fair enough. So I'm I'm saying that you wait on both of those guys. But I will say this: I sold Thielen in a dynasty league earlier this year. Um, hasn't quite paid off yet. And sold him for a combination of draft pick, Curtis Samuel, and Robbie Anderson. So maybe I didn't make out on that deal. I don't know. But I just don't have any faith in Mike Zimmer. I thought I was going to sell a little high, but maybe I'll be wrong. Well, if you, if you are concerned about Thielen, and I think there's a fair amount of rightness to be concerned about both of them. Obviously, right now you can't get anything value-wise for Diggs until he has a good game. Thielen's coming off the two-touchdown performance. If you want to get out of him, this is the this is the day, the next couple days here, that you have to deal him now if you're going to get any value for Thielen, because you really don't know what to expect going forward. And again, I don't think that Thielen's going to be heavily involved next week, because I think it's going to be a Diggs week, but... Uh, yeah. It, it, it remains to be seen. I, it, certainly Thielen has the skills to be a decent receiver in a PPR format going forward, too. You know, if you have either one of those guys on your team, you're probably in a tough spot right now anyway, probably 2-3 and three or 1-4. and four. I doubt that you have a winning record, but maybe you do. I don't know. Um, what about Kenyon Drake? <laughs> you know what? 
we thought we had gotten rid of the ghost when Adam Gase left Miami. And everyone was so excited for the fact that Kenyon Drake was free. And then he wasn't. And then he was. And then he wasn't. And then he was. And then the team sucked. Yeah. And then he was. Oh, you know what? Kenyon Drake's on a, on a way up right now. And I think that now that they've got Josh Rosen under center, he, he inspires a little bit more confidence in that team. Obviously, they're still tanking. Uh, I think <laughs> their offense has improved a little bit. Uh, they've started to get healthy at the wide receiver position, which is going to help them. Preston Williams is developing into a very nice uh, uh, deep play at, at DFS uh, standpoint. I think he's going to be a decent receiver for them going forward as well. You know, I, I'm i buying Kenyon Drake right now because this team isn't going to get any worse than they are right now. This point next year, if he's still around in that in that offense, he should be a part of a decent team. And there's always hope that he ends up someplace else, just as long as he doesn't end up in New York with uh, Adam Gase again. Yeah, I think because cost-wise, et cetera, whether you acquire him or just have him, I think you wait it out with him because with the bye weeks coming up, He's somebody you're going to at least be able to plug in and know that he's going to have some snaps. But, um, you know, there's he's going to get the volume. Yeah. There's a guy that you talked about in the news and you just mentioned his coach again, Chris Herndon. Can someone please explain this to me? You've got a guy who was a complete breakout last year and he's not hurt. He's been working out and he's in good shape. And he was literally suspended for the first four games plus their bye week. So he's ready to come back, and here is brain dead Gacy again. <laughs> Gacy, brain, brain dead Gase, uh trying to say that he doesn't know if he's going to activate him or not. So this is where I would chalk this up to coach speak, and if not, they should fire him right after the game. Maybe even before, if he, you know what, if they declare him inactive, fire him right there. Don't let him coach the game. Um, no, here's where I am on Herndon. I drafted him in Scott Fishbowl, which. You know, forever prayers to my Scott Fishbowl team, which has absolutely tanked worse than the Dolphins and Redskins combined this year. Um, but I drafted him, and I've held him this long. I'm waiting on him. I'm not, I'm not cutting bait on Chris Herndon. I think he's a guy that's going to help teams that have, you know, hit that Hunter Henry wall in different spots where they have tough spots at the tight end position. If he's still available, go get him. Well, and again, we're not going to see Luke Falk at quarterback uh, any more than we have to. No. If Darnold is ready to go this week, I think he plays. I mean, he took every single snap last week in in what was arguably probably the dumbest strategy, again, by Adam Gase, to not give his backup quarterback yeah. any snaps at all during the week. <laughs> yep. No, I, that's, that's one of those things where, you, again, you scratch your head and you're like, okay, I understand you want to get your starting quarterback reps if you think he might be able to go but he's also coming off of a multi-week injury or sickness as we'll call it right so well, on friday he had to, he had to go to the doctor to have his spleen checked out because he was afraid that he might die right so even if even if he could have played the fact that he was concerned enough that he might actually die if he played yeah. that should have raised some red flags well the fact is you just could have said look there's a good chance he's going to be ready to go this week and he's going to get you know, released by the doctors. But since we don't know, we can't prepare for something maybe we don't know. Maybe just maybe give your backup a few steps. Yeah, let's, let's split the reps or do 75-25, something. Just 
not 100% to a guy that you aren't sure if he's going to be medically cleared. So Exactly. So, yeah, that doesn't give me much. You know, the more we talk about that, it gives me less faith that he actually will do the right thing with Herndon. But I'm saying that I'm, I'm waiting on Herndon still. I, I, that whole situation scares me. And, again, it, it leads me back to the coach's situation. It's like, how did he get a second chance after Miami? Hey, I, now, people, don't, people know that we don't talk about stuff for DFS. And before we get on this show, we kind of talk about, okay, what's this segment going to be about? And we talked about a few players, so we're throwing those out. We know the names that are going to be coming up. But I wrote one down while you were talking in the news, and that's what I'm going to bring out now since we're talking tight ends. Rob Gronkowski, wait or cut bait? Oh, boy, like I said in the news, he, he published a – or you shouldn't say published. He released a video of him working out on the football field over the weekend here. So I think it, it's definitely an itch that needs to be scratched on his part. The team is trending towards being another deep playoff run. I'm not they have no tight end whatsoever to speak of. Uh, and they decided to also not activate their veteran tight end, uh, Ben Watson, Despite the fact that, again, by all accounts, Ben Watson is healthy and ready to go. So the writing is on the wall. The door is open if Gronkowski wants back in. I, 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 I'm just trying to hoard him right now because you can get him for nothing right now. Is hoard him and sit him there and like, you know what? Even if he just plays five or six games. I'm not buying the, it. That's five or six touchdowns, though, I'm at not, tight end. I'm not buying it. I'm not buying it. I'm cutting bait. I'm not buying it. You know why? Because he has been out on the CBD trail, um, heavy and hard. You really think he could pass a P test? I was going to say, I, I thought, does that stuff not count? I, I guess maybe I should go like check myself because I started taking that a little bit ago and uh, actually helps somewhat. Uh, I'm not sure if it does or doesn't, but I know that there's like so much stuff that does count that I'm not buying that Rob Gronkowski's coming back. He enjoys being retired. Yeah, that's possible, certainly. But again, it's. There's a lot of warning signs there saying that something might be up. Okay. So here's a warning sign. Um, you got to read between the tea leaves. A team trades, trades a third-round draft pick for a player at a position. <laughs> that tells you that he's our guy. We want something for him, right? We need him. And then the person that he's backing up when they acquire him goes out for the year with injury. So now you go, yes, cha-ching. What are you doing with Duke Johnson? <laughs> you know what? I, I – I, somewhere I got to think that Duke Johnson, like, at the end of every game, goes like home, and he like has like lots and lots of pictures with him and Carlos Hyde standing next to each other, and he just like takes his fingernails out and just starts scratching away like a like a dejected teenage girl at, at like an old picture of a, a lost flame scratching her boyfriend's face. <laughs> exactly. It's, the, he he's gotten hided twice now. <laughs> yeah, that's it's. I, I'm a big Duke fan. Always have been. He was always undervalued. He, he paid dividends. It's not happening in in Houston right now. There's so many mouths to feed. But with with bye weeks, a running back with a heartbeat is worth a roster spot in my mind. So I'm not cutting bait. I'm gonna wait with Duke Johnson. But my my expectations are seriously limited to bi-week filler well you know what I, I think as a duke johnson owner i might start putting together some carlos hyde like uh voodoo dolls yeah. and start playing around with those here and seeing if maybe maybe i'll take up acupuncture that might be a nice uh, change from the cbd there you go um let's finish this off with two more running backs 
One that I, I'm not even sure if he's touched the ball this year. The other who is touching it, but not as much as people would have liked to, to have seen it. Let's talk about Miles Sanders first. Uh, you know, <laughs> does anyone really believe that Jordan Howard is any good? Yes. <laughs> Do you want to know who? Who? The Eagles coach, Doug Peterson. That's all that matters. Uh, that, that is all that matters, unfortunately. And, and you know what? He's getting it done, and here's what makes sense from a football standpoint, not for fantasy football, is it keeps, yep. it keeps them both fresh, right? Yeah. When I see him touch the ball, though, all I can picture is uh, the, the Minnesota Vikings a few years ago when they had Robert Smith and they had Leroy Horde. And, and just Smith would break off six runs in a row for – eight or nine yards per carry, and then they'd bring in Leroy Horde, and he would fall forward for two yards yeah. on three straight plays. <laughs> Who was that running back and said, if you need a yard, I'll get you three. If you need four yards, I'll that get you three. That might have been Horde. <laughs> if you need four yards, I'll get you three, or something like that. Ronnie Hillman, right? Yeah. So, I, I mean, here's the thing. Sanders is in a running back by committee. He... We'll see his snaps and, and touches increase if something happens physically to um, Jordan Howard. And as the season progresses, he probably could see a little more snaps. So in my mind, I'm waiting with him because you're getting value. You're just not getting that running back one value that you envisioned at draft time, which maybe you shouldn't have been envisioning. Um, so maybe that's got people skewed in how they look at the situation. But I actually think that you should be happy enough that you've got a running back 3-4 that you can use during bye weeks and as a flex when need be. I agree what you're saying from, from a purely fantasy standpoint. It's probably the smart play to do. But I just I can't help but think about the last couple of years. And, you know, there's running back by committees. And then there's the Philadelphia Eagles. Yes. I mean, how many different committee backs can they use in a game? Yeah, well, that's the problem. See, in today's NFL, and I think it was Evan Silva that I saw tweet this before years ago. Running back by committee with two backs, no big deal. Might have been Pat Darty. I don't remember which one it was. Um, running back by committee with three or more, that's where you stay away from. And that's what you really have in Philadelphia, at least for the last couple of years. Yeah, I mean, in a sense you have. But for the most part, still Sanders and Howard, have, they're the bulk of the guys. Sproles gets his touches every now and then. It really makes you scratch your head with what it does for their value. But, hey, if the Eagles are winning and it's helping keep everybody fresh, it makes sense. But I'm not cutting bait. I'm waiting with Sanders. So you had I, one other running back, I believe, right? I did. Um, Todd Gr No, I mean Daryl Henderson. Yeah, can someone explain this one to me? Uh, why everyone was drafting Daryl Henderson in redraft leagues with the ADP of 7th or 8th round? And he has exactly zero plays this year. <laughs> because, well, I mean, when the, where, did, where did the Rams draft him? Third round, I believe. Right. So that's going to make us say, he's got a role. You don't draft a third-round player not expecting to play him. So I think what he is is insurance for Todd Gurley, honestly, right? Not this year, but long-term. And maybe the fact that they drafted him in – Malcolm Brown just decided to up his game and has beat the rookie out. Maybe the rookies had problems with pass protection, which we know a lot of guys do, and that keeps them off the field. So, yeah, I mean, Dynasty, I'm holding anything other than that redraft. I'm cutting bait. Yeah, and I actually made that tough decision last week myself uh, in a redraft league where I have Gurley. 
I don't have Brown. I, ha- I, I wasted a mid-round pick on Henderson, assuming he was going to be that safety valve, that true handcuff. Well, A, Todd Gurley isn't getting enough carries for him to really be concerned about getting hurt. Yep. And, and Henderson is not getting enough carries to be considered alive. So, yeah, yeah I, I, I cut him in my, uh, my redraft league. Uh, if you've got him in Dynasty, you can probably hold him. But, again, the shine and luster has certainly fallen off that third-round pick. Oh, I definitely think he's a hold. He's definitely a weight in Dynasty. And, actually, you might be able to get him at a discount because people just think that he maybe isn't going to be a thing. At some point, age catches up with running backs quicker than anybody else. So Todd Gurley can get old, or I should say older, much faster than what anybody's anticipating. But for redraft, cut bait. Yep. All right. So with that said, you know where you don't have to worry about cutting dead weight? DFS. At DFS, because every week you can draft a new lineup. There you go. And that's what we're going to get into. So we're going to do our... Payups, stayaways, and value plays for the week. And as always, I will let you set the line. And you last, know, last there, week we, so last week many, I think we pushed. there were so many good plays this week. Didn't we push last week, I think, at five? Yeah. I, I just, I, I don't see, I think there's a lot of possibilities for us to go a different way from what the other might be thinking here, so... I'm going to say the line is low this week. I'm going to say three. I'm going to take the over. Okay. But I agree with your, your reasoning. I really do. There's a lot of very, very good plays. A lot of high-priced players that you want in your lineup this week. And that's useful because it's a shorter slate. This is our first team, first time we've got four teams on by, plus the main millionaire slates are going to be without the – the London game, the the eight thirty London game, not the uh, noon London game we had last week. Yeah, I don't like the eight thirty slash nine thirty game times. Despise them actually. <laughs> it just means uh, another reason to get up a little bit earlier on Sunday. I get up early enough. I just not a fan of them. That's all I can say. All right, let's go and kick it off. Um, not unusual that Pat Mahomes is at the top of the DFS price heap. Um, I'm just going to say I'm not going with Pat Mahomes because I'm concerned about his ankle. Andy says it's just a tweak, sure. Um, but without his ankle, he's slightly a little better than superhuman. You know what I mean? I um, hear you. But I'm going to go with a guy who's playing at home. He's still higher priced against a putrid pass defense. Um, I think Lamar Jackson could be kind of chalky this week. You know, I, I actually really like Lamar Jackson, his price too. And I also decided to fade away. I, I'm not fading Patrick Mahomes. I'm, I'm going to have some exposure to Patrick Mahomes, but he is not my choice as my pay to play. That said, I'm staying in that same game. Yes. Yeah, and I almost, and did. I'm going with Deshaun Watson. I almost did too. Cause I don't think you're going to see another tight, low scoring game like you did last night. Um, but yeah, I just, I didn't, I just think that we see a big Lamar rushing game this week. You're probably right about that, but with the uh, Casey game, assuming Mahomes is even 75% Mahomes. Yeah. We're talking about two of the worst pass defenses in the league facing each other with arguably two of the best passing quarterbacks in the league throwing the ball. So again, this, I mean, we're talking chiefs Rams last year. We're talking approaching a hundred points. 
Uh, yeah. Slam the over again. I, I jokingly said in the news that the line was going to start at 95. I'm, I haven't seen the official line yet for this week. Whatever it is, just bet the over. <laughs> yeah, and I can see where people would be gun shy based on the fact of what happened last night too. So, uh, exactly. and, and we are back to our normal recording on Monday night. So the game's going on as we speak. Um, and yeah, there's nothing on the line yet for, for that game next week. So, all right, so you're paying up for Watson. I'm paying up for Lamar. I thought we might have actually had a match there. In my stay away column, I have two guys like I always do, and then I would cross, I'd go back and forth and crossed one out. Um, the one guy I was going to stay away from was, I'm even embarrassed to say I was going to stay away from him, but it's Russell Wilson going on the road to Cleveland um, because I know their secondary has been a mess. But, man, they can get some pressure with that front seven. So, But he's not who I'm staying away from. I'm staying away from Carson Wentz. Okay, we've got Minnesota. our first match. Tell everybody why. Well, so this past week we got a full dose of Mike Hughes. Uh, Minnesota now has three former first-rounders starting at cornerback. Now, last week Xavier Rhodes did leave the game for a short period, but he did come back. And when you look at Wentz over the last four weeks, He's only throwing for an average of 210 passing yards per game, uh, mainly because they've been relying on the beast Jordan Howard. <laughs> yeah. Which they're not going to be able to do against Minnesota's run defense either. So it's, uh, it's going to be low scoring there, I think, uh, at least as far as Philadelphia goes. I don't want any part of Wentz this week unless I absolutely have to. They really, really miss Deshaun Jackson. They really miss how he opens up that offense. Um, well, he could actually be good against this, too, because historically, Deshaun Jackson, uh, during his previous stints uh, in, in other cities, including with Philadelphia earlier, did do a lot of damage against the Vikings. Yeah. So I think we're going to agree on our value play also, because I'm staying in the same game. Um, ding, ding. That's two for two. Last or two for three. Last week, I said I felt dirty even considering Kirk as a value play, and I didn't go with him. This week, I, I don't see how you don't against that Eagle secondary. Well, so the only, way that's, the only thing that's going to keep me from playing Kirk Cousins this week is that $7,000 price tag on FanDuel. But uh, as far as DraftKings go at $5,200, he's, he's definitely playable at that price. You know, Mike Zimmer's never going to change his persona. He's always going to be a run-first coach. But fortunately... Uh, the team does have Gary Kubiak there, and he has enough of Mr. Zimmer's ear to remind him that when you're facing a bad pass defense that also happens to be a very good run defense, you need to pass the ball. Now, like I said earlier, Adam Thielen got his apology performance last week. This week it's going to be Stefan Diggs. Hook that up, write it up, cash the checks right now. There you go. All right, let's run on over to running back. Um I did the same thing. I got two guys. I went back and forth, actually crossed the first guy out, went to the second guy, crossed him out, and then went back to the first guy and circled him and said, okay, that's who I'm going to play. Um, but I'm going to let you say your person because I want to go to my page so I can look at the running back prices to talk more. Well, no, so I had a hard time here at running back this week because I did too. I actually, I like a lot of the guys at running back this week. There's a lot of really good plays up at the top there. But I went ahead and chose the most expensive one. That's Ezekiel Elliott. At the Jets at 7,500. Uh, interestingly enough, he's actually, uh, no, I'm sorry, 8,500 for Ezekiel Elliott. He's the same price on FanDuel. Yeah. Now, because of the difference in the 
makeup of rosters and get the extra 10000 to work with, that same price factor in FanDuel makes him an almost must-play on FanDuel. See, here I look at this actually different than you, and this, may, this might be what helps our listeners out. I see a ton of people at the top that I'm scared to death of. I don't like their matchups, um, Zeke being one of them. Um, so my payup is David Johnson at home against a putrid Atlanta offense. Um, I just think that we see him, and I know he got dinged up, but I think that hopefully he'll be okay. Of course, if he's not, then you don't play him. Um, the other guy I was considering was Mark Ingram, kind of doing a, a running back quarterback stack of sorts against that you know, awful Cincinnati defense. But I just decided, I think DJ, because of how much he's involved in the passing game, I think he could have a huge game being at home in Arizona against this Atlanta team. I think it could be a lot of points scored in this game this week too. But like with Zeke, my biggest concern, Tyron Smith's out. Lyle Collins is probably out. I'm sorry. I don't care that it's the New York Jets. These teams, if you're an NFL team and you're missing two of your starting offensive linemen, the defense is going to be able to take advantage of that. And that scares me a little bit. Um, Dalvin Cook. I don't want any parts of Dalvin Cook against Philly. Alvin Kamara on the road going to Jacksonville. I know he's involved hugely in their offense, but that, that has to scare you a little bit. Um, well, look, let's look at each of those matchups, though. So when you look at Alvin Kamara, big-time pass catcher out of the backfield in addition yes. to his running. Yes. Think about what Christian McCaffrey just did to Jacksonville this past weekend. See, but I, that's where I, I also think that it's not real. It's something that, you know what, you get that fixed. You're not going to let that happen again because it's so fresh a wound. Now, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they don't have the horses to do that. But that's one of those things that scares me a little bit about Kamara and why I don't want to pay up so much for that. Now, I also have to take uh, up Delvin Cook's story here because, yes, Philadelphia has an incredibly good run defense. Against his pass catching is a plus. His pass, pass catching running backs, they've given up nearly 40 receptions already yeah. this year. <laughs> Again, though, if I'm paying up, right, I want all stars to align, not just part of it. So the guy, the guy I'm going with, though, is Zeke. Uh, the Jets, uh, yeah, their run defense isn't horrible, but they're allowing still 127 combo yards per game to opposing running backs. Plus, they've given up six and a half running back receptions per game. That's all Zeke. Pollard got dinged up at the yeah. end of last week's game, so we don't really have to worry about him being a huge factor this week. Oh, oh by the way, uh, Jets have also allowed four running back scores over the last three weeks. So. And, and they ranked 10th in points allowed to running backs. I'm just more concerned about that offensive line than anything else. I agree. Although we played the entire game last week with no Tyron Smith, and uh, we missed Lyle Collins for most of the game, too. Yeah. They didn't play very well, though, last week, either. Dak didn't play very well. Mm, yeah, okay. But that affects the running game. Um, so, okay, here you go. At running back, I've already talked about just about everybody that I said I was possibly going to consider. I wrote down three names. I started out with Dalvin Cook, scratched him out. Then wrote down Zeke and scratched him out. And then wrote down um, Leonard Fournette as a guy that I want to stay away from and then scratched him out. And then I went back to, believe it or not, Dalvin Cook um, because I don't think Mike Zimmer is smart enough to – Rely on the passing game to his running back, and instead Kirk's going to throw the ball over the field to um, Stephon Diggs and a little Adam Thielen sprinkled in there. You might be right about that. I think that Cook's going to have a good game. I don't think he's going to have a great game. Right. Um, the guy I decided to stay away from is Todd Gurley versus San Francisco. You know, Gurley got into the end zone last week, and his usage is still kind of questionable, though. They're not using him nearly enough. San Francisco has shut down the last two rushing attacks they faced. Now we're watching them face uh, uh, against uh, Cleveland tonight. In, and like we talked about, San Francisco's defense is 
a lot better than it's been the past couple of years. So I, I hate paying RB1 money for Todd Gurley this week. Yeah, I'll be honest with you. I think I just have a mental block and don't even look Gurley's way, honestly. <laughs> and I think that people are going to be, they're going to look, if you're a stat, you know, or a um, game score, you know, warrior looking at it, you're just going to see those touchdowns and think he had a great game, you know. But the last two weeks, his usage is concerning to me. Um, as far as this is where I probably had my biggest struggle of the week is picking a value play at running back. Because just go from the bottom up. We already talked about Duke Johnson, right? Yep. Well, okay, he's going against Kansas City, so I can see maybe if you want to roll the dice there. Miles Sanders, sorry, Phil, is, they're going against Minnesota. We already don't like the situation completely. Jeff Wilson, he's inactive tonight because Tevin Coleman's, Tevin Coleman's back. back. Yeah. Malcolm Brown, um, yeah, they're at home, but of course it's, again, you've got a usage thing, but I don't want to rely on that. Um, Ito Smith, he gets just a few touches, but not enough that I want to th- – feel comfortable putting him in. Tevin Coleman, we don't know what we're going to get. He may not make it through this game tonight healthy because he's made of glass, it seems like. Um, then you got Kenyon Drake in the, I don't even know what the hell, the Tua Bowl. I don't know what you want to call that. The Tank <laughs> the tank Bowl. Um, so it's just like, you know, and these keep going up. It's like Carlos Hyde is, you know, is that a good play? You got Royce Freeman, Adrian Peterson. Really? You want you want to go there? Chase Edmonds, Mostert, Daryl Williams, and back up to Jordan Howard. And it's like, now we're above $5,000 before I see anybody I feel comfortable with. So my value play isn't all that cheap. Um, but I don't it's, – it's, it's a tough matchup. I, but I just don't see how Joe Mixon doesn't pay off this week, especially on <laughs> DraftKings. We, we got a match again. Nice. I, I was the same way, but working my way from the bottom yeah. up. What I, I worked my way from the top down. Okay. For much of the reason, I liked a lot of the top guys. And there was a huge soft middle of guys that were like, yeah, they're going to get double. They're going to get 2x points, but none of them are going to really hit three except for maybe Derrick Henry. Yep. Uh, and that's like, yeah, his price is still too high to be considered a value. Thought about Chris Thompson as a possibility. Um, but again, yeah, like you said, the, the bottom is a lot, a lot of question marks. Now, obviously – if David Johnson doesn't play and he is dealing with a back injury, then Chase Edmonds would be a great value play. But Chase Edmonds will also be 100% chalk. Right. So <laughs> yep. you got you to factor that into the decision. Some Joe Mixon is the play this week at value. Uh, Baltimore has allowed 502 total yards and seven total touchdowns to opposing running backs. Now, that, that's not for the full season. That's just the last three weeks. <laughs> yeah. So – all right, so we're at we're at a push right now, buddy. I, I can't believe we matched on that one. That was that was a bit of a shocker for me. See, and I thought we wouldn't either because of the price. I thought that you'd pull somebody you know cheaper out of the out of the air. Um, all right, so at wide receiver, I'm just going to say I just can't quit this guy. I got to go back to the well. Um, missed on him last week, and didn't miss on the game because somebody in that game went off. But I went with Julio Jones. You picked. DeAndre Hopkins, it was a Will Fuller-type game. But this week, I'm going back to Julio. I know it's on the road, but it's against Arizona. Still no Patrick Peterson. Still a stinky, stinky secondary. Um, Matt Ryan is on pace to throw the ball for over 700 times this year. Um, Not quite Matthew Stafford level. I think he was, what, 720-some? Ryan's on pace for 710-ish, I believe. So the the volume will be there. I'm going to pay up for Mr. Julio Jones. 
Well, you know what they say, those who fail history are doomed to repeat it. Yep. I, I'm also going back to the wall with the guy that I paid up for last week that didn't, well, he uh, didn't have a bad game. He just didn't have a, as big a game as we right, expected. Right. That's DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, his price tag's actually a little bit lower this week than it was last week. Yeah. Uh, this game is going to be a pinball show. And at this point, I got to think to myself, you know what? Hopkins had seven catches for 88 yards. He, he was also targeted uh, nearly 10 times. Uh, but he's still got to be a little bit greasy about not getting a touchdown after watching Fuller catch three and nearly five touchdowns. And after watching Darren Fells catch two touchdowns, yeah. I think DeAndre is going to want to get in the fun this week against KC. I don't, I don't think that's a bad play at all. Um, it is funny that we both went right back to the well, though. Um, at my stay away, maybe I'm putting too much into this defense's name recognition Maybe I'm putting too much into an expectation that one of the best players in the NFL will play this week and not be sick or hurt. Ding, I, ding, 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 ding. I just ding. don't feel comfortable <laughs> playing Michael Thomas on the road at Jacksonville with Teddy Bridgewater under center. I, you know, I didn't know if we had matched on this or not, but I had all those exact same thoughts. I thought to myself, it's like, is this going to be the week that Jalen Ramsey uh, magically heals from his uh, illness? And I, I have a strange feeling that it will be because I, I hate to chase points. And last week, yep. I was all over Michael Thomas as a great play. And the people that read the uh, Dominator on Friday uh, saw that he was one of my favorite plays. I had him in pretty much every single lineup I put out there. And he absolutely beasted this weekend. Not so much this week. You know, even if Ramsey does not suit up, I, I just I hate to chase the points. And at this price... I, you can get DeAndre for cheaper, and I just feel, and Julio for that matter, is just a little bit more. So yeah. I trust those two guys a little bit better this week. Nope, we're I agree with you. So we went, we hit the over. Um, I actually think we're going to increase the over now. Um, but I, wrote, <laughs> I think it's pretty obvious after my earlier talk. <laughs> well, I went one, two, three. I actually wrote three guys down, and I went to my third guy because he's higher priced than what I normally would go. Um, the first guy I put down that I wound up crossing out is Preston Williams in Miami, actually. Um, I don't think he's going to draw the top corner in Washington, not that that seems to matter anymore. Um, but I just, and he's 4100 5600 so he's a good price. But I said I don't trust the Miami offense enough. Then I was like, well, what about Mr. Pringle? Because Sammy's got a soft tissue injury. Maybe he'll be a nice play because his, his price is awesome, right? Mm-hmm. Nah, I can't. Too much risk. I, give me Stefan Diggs all day at 5900 and 5800 Because remember, we say value isn't that it's necessarily cheap. It's what do you expect to get above and beyond that three times. And I think we could be at four times value with Mr. Diggs this week. Well, and so you mentioned one of the guys I actually I, I consider to be a really good value this week, too, in Preston Williams. I like him a lot. I, I also like Mohamed Sanu, at least his DraftKings price of 4500 uh, other yeah. guys that I really kind of like, I think Robert Woods at DraftKings is really underpriced at 5600 this week, particularly with the likelihood that Brandon Cooks is going to miss the week with concussion. Uh, Michael Gelb at roughly the same point, 5600 on DraftKings, 6100 on FanDuel. Finally showed he was healthy this past week, and looked re- uh, he was one of the few yeah. bright spots in the Dallas passing game. So I like him against the Jets. But ultimately, I did go a little bit higher, and I did go with Stefan Diggs. And I think that he is going to absolutely bust this week out of his shell. He's going to have a lot of things. You know what? Every single stud wide receiver, and we've talked the last couple weeks about wide receiver ones against Philadelphia. 
almost every single one of those wide receivers that's demolished Philly this year, they're outside guys. Adam Thielen, he likes to line up out of the slot more than he likes to play on the outside. Diggs is the outside guy here in Minnesota. I think that goes into play that Diggs is going to be the guy that's going to be targeted heavily by Cousins here. Yes, absolutely. All right, so that puts us at five. Um, and I have a feeling that we may actually match two of the three tight ends. I don't know about that one. <laughs> <laughs> All right, who are you paying up for? I'm going to pay up for Zach Ertz at Minnesota. You know, Minnesota's faced three quality tight ends this year and all have blown up for huge games. Zach Ertz will prove the best weapon for Carson Wentz as all of Minnesota's cornerbacks are shut down and they'll be guarding Elshon and Nelson Aguilar uh, coming off the sides. I, I, Ertz is the, really the only option he's going to have to throw to other than Sproles or maybe Sanders out of the backfield. So, believe it or not, Ertz, I have two guys at my stay away, and Ertz was one of them that I was considering. I crossed him out and didn't make him the stay away. Um, I'm just I'm afraid of that Philly passing offense in general this week, honestly. Um, I think it could be a very fast game because I think both teams could really try to run the ball a lot, but neither here nor there. Ertz at 5,400 is a much better value than Kelsey, that's for sure. Um, no, my payup was also a guy that I was going to say is also my value play, believe it or not. But I didn't. I found a true value play. Austin Hooper, $5,000 against Arizona. Uh, you know, after I chose Ertz, I thought about Hooper. I just decided to step away from the let's pick on Arizona thing for one week. Yeah. It's a pretty obvious one, and I think he's going to be fairly chalked because his price is not horrible at DraftKings. No, you know what? And it's it's really it's not even that much cheaper than, than Ertz. He's $400 cheaper than Ertz at DraftKings and only $200 cheaper at FanDuel. So... That's why I actually decided to use him as a pay-up instead of a value play. Um, I'm staying away from Kelsey. As am I. There you go. You know, Houston is actually really good against tight ends. This game's going to be high scoring. It will. But, you know, I'd rather choose my players from other positions. Yeah. So, okay, so that's six. I said I thought we were going to get two out of three here. It's going to depend on how we um, both looked at what a coach says. I consider Gerald Everett. Nah, I'm not going to. I think he'll be chalky. I, I think even though the matchup could be very difficult. Well, he's chalky, and I don't like that $6,000 FanDuel price. No. Um, the 3600 DraftKings is nice. No, instead, I'm going to go with a guy who I think will have very low ownership, who may not even be active, um, but I like Chris Herndon. Uh, that was not the guy I was going to go with, but I can certainly see the argument for that. I... Also considered Delaney Walker here against Denver. Yeah. But as bad as Denver has been against tight ends, uh, at least historically, the last couple weeks they've done okay against the position. Uh, the guy I decided to go with is a guy we're watching tonight. Uh, I knew it. I knew it. Ricky Seals-Jones. Yep. He's going up against Seattle at home. And he uh, basically, I mean, Seattle just allowed Gerald Everett and to a lesser extent Tyler Higby to make complete fools of them. Now, this is kind of a shot in the dark because we hadn't seen his production yet this week. But, uh, you know, he had a big week four, and David Nyoku is not there right now because of his injury. So why not Seals Jones? So he has one target, no catches, no yards, but that one target, he was an inch from having a fantastic um, big gain along the sidelines. So, um, but Baker's not looking too good right now. So, 
Six of 13, 74 yards, two interceptions. One looked like it was at the goal line for a 24.7 passer rating. I think I could have a better passer rating than that. OBJ does have a better passer rating than that. He does have a better. He completed the pass to Landry and that started the game. Yeah, yeah. 118.8. He's got the highest <laughs> passer rating in the game right now. Garoppolo's at 100.2. Now, um, why didn't I play him in the primetime only slate? Yeah, I don't know. I don't think he qualified at quarterback. So there you go. Um, we agreed on quite a few, actually. So we agreed on 50% of our picks, which is shocking. I didn't think it'd be that high, but I thought we might get four. I really, I had no belief it was going to be that high, particularly with so many good plays this week. But again, it, it just goes to show you that there are players that are truly just guys you really seriously have to consider getting into your lineup this week. And I think that the biggest takeaway, too, is hopefully it helps our listeners see that when we do agree, the reasons we're agreeing, and then when we don't agree, maybe it gives them a couple different points to look at and trying to help make their decisions. Because at the end of the day, it really is always about process over results um, because we don't have crystal balls to look back on things and see how it could have and should have been. Um, You know, everybody would love to have had Will Fuller in their lineups, and maybe you should have. Um, Sammy Watkins, great example. How many people do you think started him in week one? Probably next to none. I know I did not, um, but I've had him in my lineup every week since then, and I shouldn't have. So, you know, it's just it is what it is sometimes, and you have to go through and take your lumps as you go. But hopefully we just help people think about things. Hopefully we're getting you guys to where you need to be for this playoff run because, yeah, week six, man, we're in it right now. You're basically midway through your fantasy regular season. So if you need any additional help, as always, check Harley out on Twitter at NuclearHarley. Myself out at Steve Gallo NFL. And like I say every week, if you haven't done it yet, what are you waiting for? Go sign up at thehuddle.com. End of story, right? Dollar, dollar bills, y'all. There you go. So, as always, um, like we like to say, get blitz responsibly. Cheers. Cheers.